Hey there, everyone. Greg Schutz here for ReadyForTheDraft.com. This is the Ready For The Draft podcast, the first episode of the 2021 podcast series, getting you ready for the NFL Draft, which yeah, I think right now is still scheduled for April 2021. We really don't know exactly how this is all going to play out. Thank you, COVID-19. Now, there are some Power 5 schools that have decided to press on. SEC, Big 12, and ACC really carrying the banner and saying, we're going to go ahead and press on in 2020. But then you have the Big 10 and the Pac-12 conferences that have both said, look, we're going to go ahead and postpone you know, any fall sports. We're going to look at possibly either a winter, in the Big 10's case, and, and a spring for the Pac-12. But what does that mean for the draft? You know, Is the NFL going to look at, at the college football and potentially move that draft back to, to May or June? I don't know exactly. We don't know what that's going to look like. We don't know um, how COVID's going to play, what that looks like with the season. You know, we would hope that there's a vaccine by then, and, and maybe the NFL would look at it and try to, to move the, the the draft back. But I, I know that NFL teams they want to be able to have that time, you know, building their roster before they actually get into into training camp and the mini camps and, and everything that even before that. So I, I don't know that the NFL draft would be moved from that April date. But look, college football is really like a minor league system already for the NFL. So if there is going to be any time that they would move that back, now might be the time. But we'll have to see exactly, again, how it all plays out. You know, the only other two uh, uh, non-Power 5 conferences, uh, the the group of five that have decided that they're going to also cancel fall sports, uh, the MAC the Mid-American Conference, and then the Mountain West Conference. The other group of five conferences have decided to go ahead and push forward and play in 2019. Now, the FCS schools uh, all canceled their their seasons, although they are allowing non-conference plays. So if you're looking to to catch a a glimpse of Trey Lance, the uh, redshirt sophomore quarterback there for North Dakota State, Tune in in October when they take on Central Florida. That's the one game that you're going to get to see them play in 2020. Now, the Division II, Division III, they've already canceled fall sports. So it's going to be a real weird, weird college football season. You know, we don't really have the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12 starting their games here. Uh, you know, The first week of, of September, they've actually moved their games to start at the end of the uh, of, of the month, and normally what you have here at the beginning of the of of, uh, of September, and really that whole weekend there with with Labor Day, are games that are real fun out of conference games. You know, we were going to have Alabama versus USC in Dallas, Texas, uh, Jerry's World, and we don't get to see that happen. You know, instead you've got teams that are playing uh, conference games only especially in the Power Five. I know that some of the uh, group of five schools are looking at trying to get some more of the out-of-conference games played. I know the Big 12 is also looking at just one non-conference game uh, added to their schedule as well. Uh, so it, it's it's going to be a weird season. You know, I think 2020 is just has been that year uh, you know, that everyone would like to just forget and, and move on from. Um, but, you know, there is going to be college football. We are going to get to see some players. Not everyone is opting in and playing uh, in 2020 slash, I guess, spring and potentially winter uh, 2021. There are players that have opted out and have decided that they're just going to go ahead and play in the NFL draft, you know, for a number of different reasons. Uh, you know, 
foremost on their mind is is COVID-19. But some of the other guys really looking at it, you know what? I'm going to bypass any potential injuries in 2020 and really take my chances in, in 2021. Now, the, the shame is ultimately you've got some of these guys, these breakout performers. You look at the SEC and you look at, at Joe Burrow, what he did there in the SEC. A lot of the guys on that team, Clyde Ebersolaire, uh, you know, and, and Justin Jefferson, they weren't really on the radar like they were at the end of, of the 2019 football season. You didn't have, if, if Joe Burrow did not get to play in 2019, you would not have a Heisman Trophy winning season. You wouldn't have LSU winning the national championship, and you certainly wouldn't have Joe Burrow as the number one overall pick. So that's the thing that's that's such a shame, especially for guys like like Justin Fields. You know, Justin Fields is still going to be a, a top 10 pick in the draft. Uh, but... You've got some other guys that are, that are out there that are going to be that breakout player. Who are those guys going to be? Who would be those guys that would get to showcase their talents and potentially improve their draft stock or potentially move up draft boards? We see it every single year. Remember Mitchell Trubisky, the one year as a starter there at North Carolina, that ultimately vaulted him into the number two overall pick just a few years ago. You know, And you can look at that year after year. Look at what Baker Mayfield was able to do. Ultimately the number one overall pick. Kyler Murray steps in. One-year starter there at Oklahoma. He ends up being the number one overall pick. So the last three number one overall picks, they've all you know, really counted on that final season, you know, that, that last season before the end of the draft, to really showcase their talents. And for a lot of guys, they're not going to be able to do that this season. So that's, that's really going to be the difficult part, really trying to evaluate these players, you know, looking at their 2019 tape. Um, you know, and and going forward, so that's really going to be how is this going to look? What's how's it going to feel? It's it's something that I, I don't think anybody really has a lot of the answers to right now. And um, you know, frankly, we don't know if there is going to be football in 2021. Uh, you know, at least in in the spring and, and the and the winter, what does that even look like? You know, what does the NFL do? Um, you know, how many guys that are eligible for the draft are even going to opt in and play in the winter or the spring? There may not be very many guys that do because, look, they want that future there with the NFL. They don't want things to conflict with being able to showcase their talents there for the combine and, and for the private workouts, the individual workouts. So, you know, it's really going to be an interesting time and really unprecedented time here. Uh, but what I want to do right now is really go over some of my top tens. We're going to start with the offense. Next week, we'll go ahead and take a look at the defense and break down some of the top tens, a couple of the sleepers that I also want to throw in there on the offensive side of the football uh, before we go ahead and call it a day. So we're going to go ahead and start off with the quarterbacks. And I think when you talk about the quarterbacks, you look at Trevor Lawrence as your number one, and why not, right? I mean, when you look at Trevor Lawrence, the hype around him, the hype really started before he even stepped foot in, uh, in Clemson. Uh, South Carolina. You know, this was a kid who, you know, the hype train was was rolling, and he comes in as a freshman, you know, plays in 15 games, ultimately, you know, displaces Kelly Bryant, and as the starter, and 65% of his passes completed, over 3,200 yards, 30 touchdowns, four interceptions, comes back, you know, as a sophomore, leads the, you know, first he he leads the team to a, to a national title there in 2018. I I kind of buried the lead there. But this was a guy, look, he was on, had the momentum coming into 2019. All eyes were on him. And this was the guy who really stepped up and played well. You know, 25-0 as a starter before we lost to LSU in the national title game. But, you know, over, you know, just under 66% completion percentage, over 3,600 yards, 36 touchdowns, just eight interceptions. 
you know, this is a guy over 200 passes without an interception down the stretch, 20 touchdowns and no interceptions in, in the final, I think it was six or seven games, uh, last, yeah, last seven games, including the national title game where he threw no touchdowns, also no picks. Um, you know, but this was a guy who everything, you know, there, there really weren't any flaws to his game. You're watching him play. He has the arm strength. He can make all the throws in the route tree. He, he leads his, his receivers away from defenders, you know, whether it's on the outside on a back shoulder throw, throwing the ball to the outside away from the corner. Uh, if he's throwing it over the middle, he's making sure that his guys, he's not laying his guys out. He's putting the ball in a position to where the receiver can make the catch, secure the football, and, and make sure that they're not injuring themselves with, with a big hit or anything like that dropping the ball in over over the shoulder dropping it in the basket on uh you know on a nine route or on a post but this was a guy from the precision passing you know the arm strength to throw the ball from from the the near hash to the wide side on a line i I don't think teams really have gotten this excited about a quarterback um you know since Andrew Luck came along there at Stanford. You know, I really think in terms of the momentum, you know, Joe. You can look at Joe Burrow. One season, yes, you know, having probably the greatest season um, that we've seen in quite some time. But I, I think when you're talking about quarterbacks in the hype train, you know, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you know, I, I can't think of another quarterback who really had quite the hype. Um, you know, that other than Andrew Luck. Uh, but I think Trevor Lawrence really what got exposed was he started pressing. You know, pressed a lot. You know, there with. Um, Clemson against LSU in that national title game. He was really pressing a lot, really trying to force things down the field, really trying to make plays instead of, you know, doing what he always did and let the defense come to him, let the plays come to him, take what the defense was giving him and, and just play. And I think he he was thinking a little bit too much, trying to do too much there against LSU, only completed 48% of his passes, 234 yards. And like I said, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, you know, I think that was probably his biggest issue. Uh, running the football, look, he had over you know 740 yards on the ground 10 touchdowns this guy's got some speed he's definitely got some wheels he showed that he could pull away from some defenders as well uh, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be the number one overall pick you know even if there's a team number one overall that doesn't have a court you know, doesn't have a need at quarterback they're going to trade out more than likely unless they need an offensive tackle you know we'll get to Panay Sewell my, my favorite prospect in this entire draft um, but I, I think other, you know, outside of that, you know, potential, you know, Panay Sewell, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to end up being that number one overall pick when it's all said and done. Um, you know, moving on to the number two quarterback, I think you have to go with Justin Fields. You know, now, you know, Trevor Lawrence, yes, he was a, a Heisman Trophy uh, in the top 10 in the Heisman Trophy voting. He was number seven. You know, Justin Fields, he was a Heisman Trophy finalist, third in the voting uh, to Joe Burrow, and then Jalen Hurts was number two, uh, the runner-up. But with Justin Fields, you know, he, he transfers from Georgia to, to Ohio State and as a sophomore, uh, put on you know, just an impressive performance. Over 67% completion percentage, over 3,200 yards passing, 41 touchdowns, just three interceptions. And when you think about that, you know, this is a guy who didn't lose until his final game of the season against Clemson in a classic, you know, where he... he you know, he, he threw two interceptions in that game. Only other pick was uh, against Michigan State. Um, you know, and that was, let's see, that was one, two, three, four, five, sixth game of the season where he threw an interception. Outside of that, you know, this guy was just a machine. And, 
you know, in terms of his precision, his, his accuracy, his ability to throw receivers open, that's one of the things that I can say about Ohio State quarterbacks. I think Ryan Day really has has things going, you know, in terms of having a quarterback who, you know, the anticipation, the, the ball placement, those are things that you see from Justin Fields. And like Trevor Lawrence, this is another kid who has tremendous athleticism. You want to make sure that this is a guy, though, that you know, is going to hang there in the pocket, is going to make sure that he's making the right reads, you know, and isn't going to just sit there and decide to pull it. You know, that's one of the things that Kyler Murray was learning that, look, the holes are always going to be there they're going to close up a lot quicker you know you want to see him make plays from the pocket but I think this kid has has the skills you know teams are looking for the next Lamar Jackson the next Patrick Mahomes and I I think you know you can't really compare Justin Fields to them because he doesn't quite have the arm strength that those guys have I think that's one of the things that Justin Fields is going to have to overcome that's really what I was looking forward to in 2020 uh, was getting to see him showcase more arm strength you know, didn't really get to see that, but look, you know, there's no question he's a gamer. Had the MCL sprain, said he was about 80% in that Fiesta Bowl against Clemson. Um, still balls out in that game. Uh, was 13-0 as a starter up until that game. And, and look, you know, the the pick to end the game there. You know, Nolan Turner picking off the pass. You know, Chris Olave broke off the route. Um, that ultimately ended the game, 29-23. But look, you know, can't hang his head. You know, he's very athletic, has, has all the skills and, and uh, you know, the pedigree to be uh, a top pick. And I think, you know, it, all things considered, if there's a team that needs a quarterback, they're going to trade, you know, dra- you know, trade up into the top five. I think Justin Fields and, and Trevor Lawrence could very well end up being the top two picks in this year's draft. Now, if you move on to number three, now here's kind of the wild card. And I think really when you're looking at the quarterbacks, you've got three guys at the top and then everybody else. So I think Trey Lance out of North Dakota State, if he decides to come out and enter the draft, is going to be a first rounder and probably going to be a high first round pick. 6'3", 224 pounds, as a redshirt freshman in 2019, completed just under 67% of his, of his passes, over 2,700 yards, 28 touchdowns, just zero interceptions, uh, over 1,100 yards on the ground, 14 touchdowns. You know, look, your quarterback was averaging 6.5 yards per carry. Uh, you know, just tremendous athlete. You know, and that's one of the things. I, I think you see the, the precision passing. You see his ability to throw the football down the field as well. Uh, but it's the athleticism it's the skills those are things you know the, the athleticism is what the new NFL is really looking for you know you see what Patrick Mahomes you see what uh, Lamar Jackson what they're able to do Kyler Murray's another guy that's on the rise that people are talking about as well you see that athleticism there at the quarterback position and that's what Trey Lance is going to bring you know, tune in against Central Arkansas uh, you know in October you'll get to see the one game uh, where Trey Lance can showcase his skills and, and look this game isn't going to make or break him but it's one of those things all eyes are still going to be on this kid, and if he really balls out and really has a great game, then that's just going to continue to you know that momentum going into uh, the pre-draft process. Uh, you know, and after that, like I said, there's a huge drop-off with the quarterbacks. After that, I think there are three quarterbacks. Uh, four quarterbacks that have really separated themselves. Uh, you're talking Tanner Morgan of, of Minnesota, Brock Purdy of Iowa State, Jamie Newman of Georgia, and Kellen Mond of Texas A&M. Now, now look, uh, you know, I think all of these guys, they've got some decent athleticism. I, I think of the bunch, Kellen Mond, probably the best athlete. I think uh, in terms of the, the best pocket quarterback, it might actually be Tanner Morgan out of Minnesota. Uh, 6'2", 215 pounds, 
the junior, he's only a junior, so he could very well come back to Minnesota. Um, but look, you know, his first season as a starter, 66, you know, percent of his passes completed, 3,200 yards, uh, 30 touchdowns, just seven interceptions, won 12 of his final 14 games. Um, you know, a guy he just works so well with Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman. I was really looking forward to seeing what uh, PJ Fleck can do after you know just a great season. You know, in, in, you know going to the Citrus Bowl against Auburn. Um, you know what he could do with Tanner Morgan. Um, you know with Ibrahim as, as the running back, and then with Bateman there as receiver. And you know we're just not going to be able to get to see that. And Rashad Bateman has opted out. Um, so even if there were a uh, a winter season in, in 2021 for the Big Ten Conference, you know, we're, we're not going to get to see Morgan to Bateman, and that was just a lethal, lethal combination. Um, you know, but I think with uh, with Morgan, he's a guy who just, you know, he wanted to be and needed to be in rhythm. You know, this was a guy who um, has a pocket passer. You know, I, I thought, you know, he did a really good, the pocket awareness, you know, there's a game against Northwestern, Joe Gaziano, the, the big DN there for, for the Wildcats, bearing down on him. He was able to dip under, you know, had that awareness, threw the ball away, able to go ahead and survive and move on to the next play. But that was just one of those things to where you watch him, you watch the pocket presence, didn't really panic, was able to get away from him and, and take off. You know, it, it's something that, you know, you see the ball placement, you see his ability to hit Tyler Tyler Johnson, um, you know, up the seam on one play, and then he's looking to, to you know, Rashad Bateman on, on a corner route on, on the next play, allowing the receiver to go up and get it, throwing the back shoulder throws, stop routes with good accuracy before the receivers were out of their break, putting the ball away from the corners. Uh, you know, this is a guy, look, the, his passer rating uh, you know, was among the best in the FBS, and, you know, I, I'm looking at Tanner Morgan. I don't know that he comes out. I, I think he probably doesn't. Um, but he's somebody to me that I think is is really on the rise. I think his stock is rising. And he's somebody that I wanted to see. I, he's the guy, if we're talking about, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, if there was going to be somebody who could potentially ri- have a stock rise in 2020, it could have very well been Tanner Morgan. Um, you know, Brock Purdy out of Iowa State, 6'1", 210 pounds, uh, also only a junior. This is a guy who, look, he took the Big 12 by storm as a true freshman, you know, uh, and look, in his two seasons there uh, in Ames, Iowa, uh, just under 66% of his passes completed, si- uh, over 6,200 yards, 43 touchdowns, 16 interceptions, also 557 yards and 13 touchdowns on the ground. Uh, you know, Brock Purdy, he, he's a gamer. Um, you know, but I think he has an underrated arm. I think he's, you know, he's very mobile. Uh, a guy who, you know, not only has the pocket awareness, but a guy who can make plays on the run as well. I think if there's anything that's going to be a knock on him is the arm strength. I think he lacks some of the arm strength that Tanner Morgan has. Um, so that's kind of where I have Proc Purdy kind of moving down on, on, on my list just a little bit. Um, now, Kellen Mond out of Texas A&M, 6'3", 217 pounds, all the physical ability, one of the best athletes, you know, a guy who really relied on his legs. And it's really because he lacked the consistency as a passer. You know, I like the consistency as a pocket passer better you know, with uh, with you know Tanner Morgan and, and Brock Purdy. But Kellen Mond, he's a special athlete. He's a guy who I think needs to continue to develop. And he's one of the guys I'm really wa- watching in 2020. Can he elevate his game and take it to the next level? I always talk about Dak Prescott and how he's elevated his game. Uh, you know, from a junior to a senior, he was just an athlete who was happened to be playing quarterback and flipped the script and was a you know was a, a quarterback who just happened to be a great athlete as a senior. Seeing the field much differently, I think with Kellen Mond, you know, he, he's a 57.8% career um, has a 57.8 career 
completion percentage and uh you know just under 7400 yards 52 touchdowns but 24 intercepts need to cut down on the mistakes need to see the field a lot better and look you know yes he has over 1300 yards on the ground he was able to show showcase his speed showcase the wheels but i think the reason why he had to use his legs so much was because he wasn't uh, a consistent passer you know he would look great on one play you know, pocket collapsing and able to manipulate the pocket and, and hit his receiver down the field on one play but then on the next you know the timing would be off um, you know I thought some of his ball security at times you know got him into trouble as well um, struggles to throw the ball down the field with any accuracy as well so he needs some time to develop and that's really where I worry about Kellen Mond as a pro prospect right now um, then there's Jamie Newman you know, 6'4", 230 pounds, um, you know, had a breakout season for the Wake Forest Demon Deacons in 2019. Um, you know, 61% completion percentage, 26 touchdowns, 11 uh, interceptions, over 20, 2,800 yards. You know, this is a guy who showed the wheels, you know, very, very athletic, uh, 574 yards on the ground. Um, a guy who could tuck and run and, and, and go, you know, pick up some yards on the ground. But this was a guy, look, the back shoulder throws, um, putting it on the on the left shoulder, you know, allowing the receiver to, to elevate for the ball uh, to the outside, you know, if he's throwing to the left side. Uh, you know, a, a guy who, you know, to me, you know, the play action, you know, does a really good job seeing the field, um, the, eye, the eye discipline to, to hold the safeties, um, you know the you know the the athleticism. I keep going back to that, but that's the thing that I think really is intriguing about Jamie Newman. He still you know the consistency uh, needs to cut down on the mistakes, the interceptions. I think Jamie Newman, you know, with Wake Forest, they started the season eight and zero. They started you know just firing like like gangbusters, and then the moment that he lost some of his, some of his receivers, uh, you know, especially Sage Surratt, um, you know, in game game number nine. That's really where things really started to fall apart for Wake Forest. And uh, Jamie Newman ends up transferring to Georgia. He's decided he's going to go ahead and opt out. Looks like the Bulldogs are going to go with uh, JT Daniels, more than likely, the transfer from USC. Um, and Jamie Newman's decided to enter the 2021 draft. You know, I, I think you know, he's, he's a, you know, was a grad transfer, so he's already graduated from Wake Forest. And you know, what's going to be interesting is what he looks like. He's going to have to continue to, to work on the arm strength. He's going to have to work on decision making. You really can't see that in, in a lot of um, you know, simulated performances. You, know, you really see that in the game when he's actually under pressure. He's got a guy bearing down on him. What's he going to do? How's he going to manip manipulate the pocket? How's he going to find his receivers down the field and make plays? That's really you know, the thing that I wanted to see with Jamie Newman that I, I'm not going to get to see. I'm getting robbed of that because he's opting out with, with all the this COVID madness. You know, I think Kellen Mond has the biggest, uh, you know, the biggest chance to have that breakout season and end up solidifying himself as that number four quarterback. But right now, it's really kind of up in the air, up in the air with this group. I'd actually put Tanner Morgan above some of these other guys just because I think there's a little bit more polish to his game. Um, but you can't, you know. Like I said, Kellen Mond, keep an eye out for him. Um, and if we move into the last of, of my top 10, you're looking at Kyle Trask out of Florida, uh, a guy who stepped in as a starter there. Felipe Franks goes down and uh, you know, 6'5", 239, a big kid. The ball's in his hands now there with the Gators in, in Gainesville. And you know he's going to get to play a full season there in the SEC. He's a guy that you're going to be watching you know, for a potential breakout year. Uh, Sam Ellinger out of Texas. 
Good Lord, this is a guy, I feel like he's been with the Longhorns forever. Um, but a kid who has tremendous athleticism, 6'3", 230 pounds. He's continuing to get better, completing more of his passes, over 65% of his passes completed in 2019. Uh, a guy who, he's a gamer, he's gritty, uh, but the consistency, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, that he needs to work on. He needs to be more consistent. Um, you know, a guy, ball placement struggles at times, had receivers open and didn't always hit his target. You know, a guy who would sail passes, um, you know, ball placement was always a concern as well. So I, I think with Sam Ellinger, he's going to have to show there in, in Big 12 play that he's somebody who can come in, game in and game out, and can put his team on his back. You know, he, he's a guy, like I said, he, he's a, he is a gamer. He's a guy who's going to sit there. I think he tries too much at times. So I'm really waiting to see, can Sam Ellinger take his game to the next level? Um, you know, I think he's underrated as a, as a runner, over 1,500 yards in his career. And, and look, he's 6'3", 230. You don't realize just how big he is, but he's really tough to bring down as a runner. Um, and I think if we're looking at the top 10, how about Kenny Pickett out of, out of Pittsburgh? 6'2", 220 pounds, had five games over 300 yards in 2019, fourth most passing yards in Pittsburgh history with over, uh, over 3,000. Um, you know, 13 touchdowns, but nine interceptions. Need to cut down, cut down on those mistakes. And uh, you know, Pittsburgh is going to be one of those teams. The teams are going to be, you know, I think, you know, I should be on Pittsburgh as, as one of those teams that could surprise in ACC play. Uh, transitioning to the running backs. That's quarterbacks. You know, we're done with them. We're going to go ahead and transition to the running backs. And uh, this is another group where you have some studs at the top, and then there's a huge drop off after that. Uh, Travis Etienne. Chuba Hubbard, Najee Harris. I think if you look at anybody's top tens for the NFL draft at the running back position, these three guys are going to be at the top of the list. It just depends on the order. For me, Travis Etienne is your number one running back. 5'10", 210 pounds out of Clemson. Uh, career rushing touchdown leader uh, for the ACC with 56 on the ground. Uh, you know, a guy who I think you know became more of a receiver in 2019. 37 receptions for 432 yards and four touchdowns. Look, you know, 518 carries in his career, over 4,000 yards, 7.8 yards per carry. This is a guy who I think early on in his career was known as more of a speed demon, a guy who you know was a home run hitter, could take the, the top off of a defense. But if you go in and I look at my game notes and, and I talk about how this guy was running through contact, bouncing off contact running through arm tackles you know and once he got ahead of steam you know, this is a guy who was who was making plays down the football field you know running away from guys dragging guys for for extra yards and i think that you know that added muscle that that physicality that he brought to his game really made him more of a complete back and that's really what excites me about travis etienne in uh, in 2020 um, is really getting to see how he continues to develop his game. And he's a guy who I think you know is going to solidify himself as that number one running back in the 2021 draft. Uh, Chuba Hubbard out of Oklahoma State. Look, 6'1", 207, uh, the junior. Look, as a freshman, you know, I, I was talking about why was, was this kid uh, getting so much playing time over Justice Hill? Was Justice Hill in the doghouse you know, with, with Mike Gundy or was this kid that good? And it turns out, yeah, he's that damn good. Uh, you look at 2019 as a sophomore, uh, you know, over 2,000 yards on the ground, 21 touchdowns. Uh, you know, just a guy who you know was a threat to go the distance on any on any given play. Look, 8.6 yards per rush. Has that sprinter speed. Uh, excellent vision as well, though. So that's the thing. You know, he has the vision vision to see the hole. Once you let him get uh, north and south, he you know he's he's a blur. 
uh, very decisive with, you know, puts his foot in the ground, gets north and south in a hurry. Uh, excellent hands, 45 receptions in just two seasons there with the Cowboys. Um, you know, just a guy who was continuing, you know, I think the biggest thing is you look at the yards after contact. I talked about that with Travis Etienne. Chuba Hubbard, uh, just under 1,100 yards after contact, first in the FBS. You know, a guy who uh, just continues to work hard, and, and that's something that I think you really look at is, you know, with Chuba, it, you know, he's also stepped up as a leader. You know, there's been talk, especially with a lot of the uh, social injustice, he's really taken a, a leading role there for the Pokes. And so I think that's something too, you talk about character, you talk about, you know, what this guy can bring on and off the field for a community. And Juba Hubbard's definitely right there among the top. Najee Harris out of Alabama, 6'2", 230 pounds. You know, he doesn't have quite the speed that either of those two guys have, but this is a dude, look, you know, I'm watching him against Michigan in the Citrus Bowl, had this burst up the middle and then a, a you know, a subtle lateral cut on the linebacker to get to the second level. Just very, you know, very easy mover. You know, looked a lot more fluid. Doesn't have, like I said, quite the burst that some of those guys have, um, but he's a punisher between the tackles. He's very difficult to bring down. Um, you know, has some speed to get to the outside, but that I don't think is necessarily his forte. Uh, you know, he does have surprising athleticism for a guy his size, 6'2 and 230 pounds. He's out there hurtling guys in the open field. Uh, you know, a guy who has, a, you know, a pretty nice spin move to him as well. Uh, but I think those lateral cuts for a guy that big uh, really is, is eye-opening. Uh, had 27 receptions in 2019. You really want to see what he's going to be able to do in, in 2020. Can he continue to catch the ball out of the backfield? But he was a showcase back. You know, he was sharing the backfield you know, as a freshman and sophomore, but as a junior, over 1,200 yards on the ground, 13 touchdowns. You know, Najee Harris has a chance to, to continue to move himself up draft boards. I think he's probably a day two pick right now, but he could very well end up moving himself into round one consideration. Um, I, I think after that, like I said, there is a drop off, and this is where you know guys are all over the place in terms of who's going to be the next running back coming off the board. I'm looking at Kenneth Gainwell out of Memphis. Look, 5'11", 191 pound junior, and, and look, you, know, you had uh, you know Daryl Henderson there who was a beast, and I think Kenneth Gainwell really picked up where he left off. Over 1,400 yards on the ground, 13 touchdowns in Mike Norvell's offense, you know, 6.3 yards per carry, uh, 51 receptions, though, for 610 yards and, and three touchdowns. So I think that's really the big thing that he has going in his favor is, is the receiving. You know, and that's what you see uh, at the next level. You know, the, the hands, the ability to catch the football uh, in space and make plays after the catch. And that's one of Kenneth uh, Gamewell's fortes. Um, you know, you look at it, you know, the feet, you see him dancing in the hole, his, his cuts and ability to, to make people miss in the open field. I think that's what makes this guy special. All he needs is a crease getting downhill, much like Daryl Henderson. I mean, when you think about Memphis, I mean, they have, you know, Brady White, at quarterback, you know, you had DeMonte Coxey, you had this guy at running back, uh, you know, a lot of talent on that Memphis Tiger offense. And of course, Antonio Gibson, who's, you know, one of those dark horses there to be the, the running back of the future there for the Washington Redskins. Uh, so I got Kenneth Gainwell at number four. Uh, number five for me is actually Kylan Hill out of Mississippi State. 5'11", 215 pounds, uh, SEC leading rusher in 2019 with over 1,300 yards on the ground, 10 touchdowns, um, you know, 
44 receptions in his career as well. A guy who's a tremendous pass blocker, and that really goes a long way at the next level, his ability to pass block. But this was a guy who, who battled an injury late in the in the season there for the Bulldogs, so you hope that you know, he's a guy who can really showcase his skills here in 2021. He's going to be in a new offense, Mike Leach, uh, bringing his air raid offense there. So, you know, Kylan Hill being able to showcase his, his hands, catching the football out of the backfield, and also, you know, you got to remember, you know, Mike Leach, he likes to run the ball in, in his offense. Yes, he's going to spread you out. Yes, it's kind of an air raid type offense, but he's going to allow that running back to make some plays. And so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see Kylan, you know, Kylan Hill in this uh, you know, Pac-12 style offense. Speaking of Pac-12, um, C.J. Verdell, a guy that we're not going to get to see uh, in 2020 at least. Um, he's a junior out of Oregon, 5'9", 210 pounds, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, uh, 40, 41 receptions as well in his career. But a guy who, you know, he runs the ball with physicality, has the speed to go the distance as well. Um, this was a guy, you know, against Utah, went up against Terrell Burgess, and, you know, a guy, he just made a miss in the hole. Um, you know, so you know, a guy who was talked about as as a legitimate pro prospect going there to the Rams, and this is a guy who ultimately made him miss, made him look bad in uh, you know coming up trying to to help in run support. Ultimately, allowed C.J. Verdell to to bust off a huge run. Um, you know, this is a guy. Look, you know, 23 carries, 257 yards, and three touchdowns against Washington State. Just a few games later, in that Utah game, 18 carries, 208 yards three touchdowns you know both of those games over 11 yards per carry uh you know this is a guy who uh can be a special back you know he's sharing the load um with some of the running backs there at uh, at oregon but uh, you know given the chance you know mario cristobal wants to run the ball and i think cj verdell could definitely have a huge season uh jarrett patterson's another guy 5'9 195 pounds the junior out of buffalo you know the mac is not going to play in 2020 so another guy that we don't get to see play it's kind of a, a shame there as well um but look you know quick feet very shifty drops his pad level though and, and keeps that leg drive going um, you know, another guy we talked about over 200 yard games, you know, 26 carries, 298 yards and six touchdowns against Bowling Green. That's six touchdowns in a single game. That was a single season or single game Mac record. Um, you know, a guy who's just he's physical. He loves to get north and south, runs through first contact, spins out of tackles, uh, excellent balance, uses a good stiff arm as well. Excellent jump cut ability. That's really the big thing that I think for him is, is those jump cuts. And you know, when you watch him play, that's really what, what he showcases. And I think he and, and Kevin Marks there for the Bulls, uh, you know, I was really looking forward to seeing what they could do. Um, now, Sunbelt, they have decided that they are going to go ahead and play in 2020, which means we get to see Elijah Mitchell and Trey Regis. Trey Regis is a guy, to me, I think he's more of a one-cut-and-go type of a guy, a downhill runner, whereas Elijah Mitchell, 5'11", 217 pounds, over 1,100 yards a season ago, um, 16 touchdowns as well. This is the guy, to me, that I think he can run run hard between the tackles, um, but he also has the athleticism on the outside. I think he puts his foot in the, in, in the ground, when he sees that hole, hits the crease full speed in a hurry. Um, you know, has a you know the ability to uh, make people miss in the open field. Very quick feet between the tackles as well. Um, I think Elijah Mitchell. Look, you know, Louisiana Lafayette. You know, I, I think that's a team that you have to continue to watch. You have to watch that running game. I think Billy, you know, Napier. That's a name that you really have to know because he's really got that program moving in the right direction. Now, at number nine, you've got Chris Evans. You know, 5'11", 216 pounds. A guy who's um, 
you know, Michigan, you know, with, with the way that offense is, has been going, you know, uh, kind of up and down uh, career there. Only played in 10 games in 2018. You put on some of the game film, though. This is a, a power runner, a guy who, uh, you know, averaged you know, 5.2 yards per carry a season ago. Also 18 catches, 148 yards and a touchdown. Um, has some good physical skills. You know, and, and again, you know, we might get to see him in the winter. He's a guy that could have benefited from a full season in 2020. Same goes for Trey Sermon. You're know, trying to get out of the shadow of Kennedy Brooks there in Oklahoma. Didn't want to sh- you know share the backfield. Wants to move to Ohio State. Um, you know, he, he's he's a year, two years removed from uh, a near thousand yard performance. 947 yards, 13 touchdowns in 2018. Uh, Fast forward to 2019, played in only 10 games, battled some injuries, um, di- did average 7.1 yards per carry though. And, and I think with, with Trey Sermon, you know, big physical back, he's six foot, 216 pounds, has some lateral ability uh, as well. You know, very athletic um, as a running back. Um, a, a guy who, look, you put him in Ohio State's offense and I think he would have, you know, he was poised for a breakout season. Um, you know, a guy who does a really good job pressing the line of scrimmage. And at, at, uh, at OU, they've got that, that guard tackle uh, run play that they run time and time again. And I think one of the things that you see with Trey Sermon, very patient, allows that to develop and does a really good job reading the blocks, reading the defense and making the cuts off of those blocks. That's what I, I really wanted to see him uh, bring to Ohio State was that vision and, and that cutback ability. And uh, unfortunately, you know, we won't get to see that at least until um, the winter. Now, Kennedy Brooks out of Oklahoma, he's decided to opt out and enter the draft. 5'11", 216 pounds, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons for the Sooners. Uh, and this is a guy, you know, when you think of, of top running backs, he's not really somebody that jumps off the tape and says, yeah, this is going to be the guy that uh, is going to be in your top 10. But, you know, another guy, very patient. He looks to get north and south as quickly as possible. Uh, a guy who runs behind his pads and you know, able to pick up extra yards. Um, not a ton of wiggle, though, at the second level. Has kind of an average burst to the outside. Um, so I've got him just outside my top 10 right now. Um, yeah, I really wanted to see what he could do there uh, with the Sooners. They were going to rely on him a little bit more, especially now that Spencer Rattler or Tanner Mordecai is going to be the starting quarterback there um, in Norman. Um, so kind of disappointed that I'm not going to get to see him. Um, you know, but I am excited for Raheem Boyd coming back to Arkansas for one more season there in the SEC. Six foot, 213 pounds, over 1,100 yards a season ago. Has the speed to the perimeter. Will lower his pads to finish. Very patient. Uh, puts his foot in the ground once that that hole opens up. And then you know he's a guy who knows how to finish. And you know that leg drive pushing the pile as well. 42 receptions in his career. Um, you know Felipe Franks is, you know, moved there to. Uh, you know, to play with the Razorbacks, want to see what uh, he and Raheem Boyd can cook up there. Um, you know, if you're going to be a sleeper in this running back class, how about Brendan Knox out of Marshall? Nobody's really talking about this kid, and I don't know why. He's he's only a junior, um, so he could come back. Um, you know, over 1,300 yards on the ground a season ago, 11 touchdowns. You know, uh, just downhill physicality, man. You know, the uh, 2019 uh, Conference USA Most Valuable Player, um, I think he's a guy who just gets stronger as the game goes on. You know, he, he 
finds a crease uh, to the outside, a lateral cut to the perimeter to get down downhill in a hurry. Um, you know that outside speed I think is really surprising for a guy his size, six foot, two hundred twenty-three pounds. Um, you know, really what you want to do is force him laterally, get him wide, bounce him outside. Um, and that's really what's going to get him into trouble. Once he gets his forward momentum going, that's what's going to get him into trouble. And I think that probably is why there are some people that are, aren't talking about him as much is because, you know, just get him going, going sideways and you're, you're going to basically stop this kid. That's what I want to see this year out of, out of Brendan Knox there in uh, conference USA is, What's he got going, uh, you know, going laterally? Can he showcase some lateral ability to go along with that power and that physicality going, you know, going north and south? If he can demonstrate some of that and show some hands coming out of the backfield, he can end up getting some momentum and can end up moving up some draft boards really quick. So we'll move on to the wide receivers. Uh, I think there's no question that Jamar Chase uh, solidified himself as the top uh, receiver prospect. 6'1", 200 pounds there out of LSU. Um, 84 catches, over 1,700 yards, and 20 touchdowns. 21.2 yards per reception. Uh, a guy who was just an absolute beast. You know, if you tuned in against Clemson, um, you know, really... Uh, gave AJ Terrell fits. You know, this is a guy you got behind him, uh, tracked the ball well over his shoulder. Uh, you know, really, you know, made Terrell work. Um, continuously getting a step on him, making catches over his shoulder, um, and just making plays down the field. In that national title game, he really showed up. Nine catches, 221 yards, and two touchdowns. The guy who can get vertical, the guy who can can win you know, both on the outside and in the slot. Um, Excellent route running ability. He's just an explosive playmaker. And, and to me, he, he's a top, you know, he can very well end up being a top five pick when it's all said and done. He's opted out of the season, decided that he's going to go ahead and stand on. And look, if you're going to stand on a season, stand on the 2019 season. There's really nothing else to prove. Um, you know, you've got Colt Brennan there as quarterback. And really, anything outside of the film there with, with Joe Burrow is going to be looked at as, as kind of a downgrade. So I, I don't blame him. For, for not wanting to come back for one more season. Now, Rashad Bateman there out of Minnesota, I think selfishly I wanted to see what he and Tanner Morgan could do. 6'2", 210 pounds, Big Ten wide receiver of the year, uh, 60 catches, uh, 1,219 yards, 22, uh, that's 20.3 yards per reception and 11 touchdowns in 2019. This is a guy, excellent route runner, um, you know, against Wisconsin, he really slow played a post, ran by the linebacker, accelerated passive defensive back, catch over his shoulder in stride for 51 yard touchdown. Um, this is a guy who I, I think, you know, the release off the line, that stutter, um, you know, to show the screen and then go and take off. Um, just a very savvy route runner, you know, for a guy who was so explosive as well. Um, you know, I, I think that's really what, what you see with him. Um, I, I talked about the route running ability. Does a really good job flattening out his, his out routes, those outbreaking routes, making sure that, uh, you know, he, he's helping out his quarterback. Does a really good job coming back to the football as well. Um, you know, I think he's one of the mo- one of the most fun receivers to watch. Um, you know, he's he's not getting out of the top 15 picks in my opinion. Um, you know, you look at Jalen Waddle there out of Alabama, 5'10", 182 pounds, the junior. Um, may have been the most explosive receiver there at Alabama, and that's including Henry Ruggs III, who was the number one receiver taken in the 20, uh, 2020 draft. Uh, very sudden, you know, had a, a 98-yard kickoff return there against Auburn. Uh, that Auburn game, you know, Jalen Waddle just showcased 
all of his talent, all, all of his ability. You know, this is a kid um, to me um, who is just continuing to develop and continuing to blossom. And I think he's a guy who can end up be- being the best uh, draft prospect of all of the receivers. And you talk about the receivers that you have, you know, you've got uh, you know, Devontae Smith, who we're going to get to in a minute, but then you have Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, who were both first rounders a season ago. And this guy can end up being the best in the bunch, which is absolutely scary. Um, I'm going to be curious to see what he runs in the 40, You know, if he can beat uh, Henry Ruggs' this time. But, um, you know, against Auburn, you know, four receptions, 98 yards, uh, you know, let's see, you know, that 98-yard kickoff return as well. Um, In that game as well, the the receiving yards, you know, four receptions, three of those went for touchdown. And, you know, the explosive playmaker, speed kills. And you see, you know, if he can showcase that he can go up and, and attack the football in the air, if he can show that, you know, he's not just a, not just a speed guy, you know, that he's somebody who can be like Henry Ruggs, who can go up and and uh, and attack the football in the air, he could end up challenging for a a, a pick in there in, in the top fifteen as well. You know, I, I think he's somebody who's going to battle Rashad Bateman and, and you know Jamar Chase as much as possible, trying to get his name up there. And he's somebody you know who is you know you should not sleep on. Uh, I think Devonte Smith out of Alabama, 6'1", 175 pounds. Look, this guy, you know, you had Judy, you know, who everyone was impressed with his route running ability, and Henry Ruggs was the speedster. Devonte Smith was a guy who just he wasn't outstanding in any area, but he did everything really well. I think his biggest thing uh, is just he always found a way to come up big. You know, when you needed a guy, when you needed a guy who was going to make a play. Um, you know, I think Tua was able to rely on Devonte Smith, and that's really what um, you know. Reliability is is something that uh, you know really uh, you look for in, in a receiver. And you know, I think for me, when you watch him play, you, know, you talk about a guy like a Keenan Allen and his ability off the line. He wins off the line, and I think that's one of the things that uh, Devonte Smith does really well. He doesn't may, may not have that that vertical speed that Ruggs or Judy or even Waddle have, but this is a guy, he's going to attack the football in the air. Um, He's a guy who's just going to win, like I said, coming off the line. Look, Keenan Allen and and Cooper Cup, two guys who aren't the fastest, but two guys that win off the line. Nobody can really guard them coming off the line. And and when you look at that and their ability to make plays, that's really where I look at at Devontae Smith, and I I think the future is bright for him. Uh, You know, you look against Mississippi, 11 catches, 274 yards, and five touchdowns in, in that game. Just an absolutely remarkable game. And then just a few games later against LSU, seven catches, 200. 113 yards and two touchdowns that's 30.4 yards per reception um, you know I, I think for me this is a guy who has the potential to be a top 20 pick um, don't sleep on him um, you know Chris Olave out of Ohio State 6'1 185 pounds the junior um, look you know, over 840 yards there in 2019 12 touchdowns uh, a guy who was really the vertical threat. Ohio State had a lot of uh, receivers who were possession guys. You know, K.J. Hill, Austin Mack, uh, Benjamin Victor. Olave was the guy that was going to stretch the defense. But I think what I was most impressed with was the, the special teams ability. You watched him in that Fiesta Bowl against Clemson. Special teams tackle on Amari Rodgers for little gain. A down to punt at the one-yard line. That's one of the things that you really look at with Chris Olave. You know, his ability to block as well, in addition to being a tremendous receiver, 
this kid's going to be a first rounder, no doubt about it. Uh, Sage Surratt, they're out of out of Wake Forest, 6'3", 215 pounds, over a thousand yards in nine nine games. Um, then he ends up having that injury. You know, this was a guy though. You know, he was the only receiver over a thousand yards at that point. Um, it was 66 catches, 11 touchdowns. So that means you know one. one um, you know, a touchdown in every six receptions. And, uh, you know, with Sage Surratt, he's a big physical receiver, a guy that makes plays down the field, does a good job adjusting to the football in the air as well. Uh, he's opted out. You know, he's going to go ahead and enter the draft. Has a chance to be a, fir- a late first-round pick, in my opinion. Uh, as does Nico Collins out of Michigan. Look, 6'4", 222 pounds. You can't really look at the stats. Don't look at the stats with this guy. The stats don't tell it all. Um, you know, yes, you know, just 37 receptions, 729 yards. 19.7 yards per reception, but this is a big physical dude, a guy who is is you know, faster than you would expect for a guy his size, um, really good route runner, a guy who's going to come back for the football, excellent leaping ability, extends for the football, natural pass catcher, and a guy who runs hard and runs strong after the catch. Um, you know, I think Donovan Peoples-Jones got a lot of hype last season, but I think this is a guy, to me, um, I'm hoping that Michigan and, and the Big Ten will get to play in the winter because then we'll get to see a lot of Nico Collins. Uh, Rondell Moore, you know, out of Purdue, 5'9", 180 pounds, um, you know, showcased his skills as a, as a true freshman. You know, everyone was just waiting for this guy to enter the draft, right? You know, 114 receptions, over 1,200 yards, 11 touchdowns. Um, you know, had two more touchdowns on the ground and, uh, you know, was a, a speed demon there as a returner as well. A threat to go the distance, a guy who's going to end up being a, a tremendous slot receiver. Then he has the injury in 2019, plays in only four games. And really, I think, you know, now's the time for him to opt out and, and go for the draft. I would have wanted to see him come back. And I think really he could have improved his draft stock. I think he's probably looking at more towards the end of round number one, possibly even into round two right now, because you worry about some of his durability. Now, look, this is the guy who worked out with the offensive lineman, a guy who was squatting five, 600 pounds, um, very physical guy. But you know, when you also have guys who are lifting that much weight, you also worry about you know, their, uh, you know, the muscles and sometimes, you know, so tightly wound that they're susceptible to injury. So those are some of the things that he's going to have to to overcome, but you're definitely an explosive playmaker. You put the ball in his hands and he's a threat to go the distance every time. Um, so I know the Boilermakers are de- uh, devastated that he's not going to be there for them uh, for the 2020 uh, season. Tylen Wallace, though, coming to Oklahoma State, he is going to play in 2020. Six foot, 185 pounds. Uh, Bolitnikoff Award finalist in 2018, you know, 86 catches, over 1,400 yards, 12 touchdowns. Then he gets injured. Um, still gets to play in nine games in, in 2019, but the injuries, you know, obviously a, a disappointment for him. And really, you want to see what this kid's going to be able to do with Spencer Sanders at quarterback, Chuba Hubbard as a running back. Oklahoma State's going to have some firepower on the offensive side of the football. And Tylen Wallace, look, he's you know, he's physical. He plays bigger than than uh, than his frame, and a guy who has has that speed to go the distance as well. Tylen Wallace, keep an eye out for the Pokes offense at least. You know, if that defense can get things going, you know, they're going to be interesting there in Big 12. Um, 
last guy in my top 10, I'm going with Demonte Coxie out of Memphis. 6'3", 197 pounds, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. Look, Memphis, I know Mike Norvell's offense. You worry if some of these guys are just a product of the system. But for me, I look at Demonte Coxie. He does everything that you want him to do. He's a weapon over the middle, a guy who does excellent route running ability, You know, uh, does a good job with, with the back shoulder throws, a guy who can get vertical as well, you know, a guy who had, had a catch in, I believe, 34 straight games. And you know, just, he, he's somebody who, like I said, a threat to go, go the distance. He's a big physical target. Um, like to see him put on a little bit of weight. He can get rerouted, can't get jammed at the line, um, but you know he does a good job using his body to shield it from de- the ball from defenders. Um, so I, I think Demonte Coxie is a guy that uh, is going to rise up some draft boards there uh, for Memphis in the American Athletic Conference. Now two sleepers, both guys that we're not going to see in 2020. Um, Amir Smith-Marset and Amon Ross St. Brown. Now, Amir Smith-Marset out of Iowa, um, what he did in that Holiday Bowl against USC, you know, a 98-yard kickoff return, took a jet sweep for another touchdown. He showcased some impressive speed against the Trojans. And that's really what I wanted. He was a guy who I was looking at saying, nobody's talking about him coming into 2020. And using that speed, he could have showcased and you know ended up moving himself into that day two discussion. And he's not on anybody's radar. And so that's the thing. I, I really hope that Iowa gets to play um, in uh, in the winter, if nothing else, go up against the Big Ten opponents and really see what this kid can do because I, I think he's somebody who's going to surprise a lot of people uh, at the next level. And then Amon Ross St. Brown, 6'1", 195 pounds, the junior out of USC, uh, 70, quietly had a 1,000-yard season there, 77 catches, over 1,000 yards, uh, and six touchdowns. This was a guy, you know, he, he's got some, you know deceptive speed, you know, he's a guy that plays primarily out of the slot, and he's just he's a savvy route runner. He just knows how to get open. Does a tremendous job. Uh, you know, he shows late, uh, shows his hands late on on some of the deep balls as well. So just a guy who's who is is intelligent. You know, he speaks five languages. Uh, you know, he his brothers are Equinemius and Osiris St. Brown. Equinemius with with the Packers. Both of those guys played um, F, you know with FBS programs. And uh, I think he's going to end up being the best of the bunch. Um, you know, he may decide to come back for a senior season, play one more year with Keaton Slovis. Um, but, man, he's, he's a lot of fun to watch. Which takes us to our tight ends. Now, the tight ends, you know, this group, we've got some athletes. We've got a chance to have two or three tight ends taken in round number one. Uh, right now, I've got Pat Fryermuth sitting at my number one tight end, 6'5", 256 pounds, a junior out of Penn State. Um, over 500 yards a season ago, 15 touchdowns in his career, um, and really it's, it's his blocking ability. You know, this is a guy who does a really good job. He's, he's versatile. Um, you know, not only can you split him out, you can put him into the slot. Uh, a guy who can get a good release. He played against Ohio State and won uh, against Pete Werner, um, able to beat him off the line. Uh, a guy who can get vertical a little bit, has some decent hands. He you know, makes the contested catches over the middle as well. But again, the blocking ability—you know—he was you know, freeing up you know Journey Brown quite a bit. Um, that inline blocking ability—that's something that you definitely uh, definitely want to be able to see out of him. And uh, you know, if you're looking for that complete tight end, Pat Fryerbooth is going to be your guy. But if you're looking for a receiving option and the speedsters out there, Kyle Pitts of Florida and Brevin Jordan out of Miami, uh, Miami, Florida. Uh, 
those are the guys that you really want to key in on. Now, Kyle Pitts looks like a buffed-up receiver, man. 6'6", 239 pounds. Um, man, he, he's got some speed. Um, you know, and that's really one of the things that I think is impressive about him. You know, just so physical. Um, you know, they're against Virginia in the Orange Bowl. He actually... Um, you know, was adjusting backside to a ball, but uh, threw down the safety and ended up getting called for offensive pass interference. But a guy who just is very, very physical as a receiver. 54 catches, 649 yards, five touchdowns. He's going to be a guy to watch. I really want to see what he runs in the 40 because if he's running, um, you know, in the four or fives, you know, this guy is going to be a lock for the first round. Uh, same goes for Brevin Jordan. Look, 6'3", 235 pounds uh, there for the Hurricanes. You know, a guy who's battled some injuries, had a left foot injury. You know, he's only played in nine games each of his two seasons there with the Hurricanes, but still was a Mackey Award finalist, first team All-ACC, uh, 495 yards uh, you know, receiving, 14.1 yards per reception. He's going to be a guy to really keep an eye on there for the Hurricanes. And both of those guys are playing in, in 2020. So your Pat Fryermuth, you know, it, he may get to play in 2021, may not. So these are two guys that uh, I think, you know, with the way things are set up, um, could have could really move up the draft board and end up being your top two tight ends when it's all said and done. Um, I think after that, you've got Charlie Kolar out of Iowa State, 6'6", 252 pounds, only a junior. Uh, first team, all Big 12, 51 catches, 697 yards, seven touchdowns. You know, when you think of him, you know, this is a guy, he was a mismatch nightmare. You know, the linebackers, you just throw the ball up to him there in the red zone. And, uh, you know, he was making plays left and right. Linebackers just couldn't cover the guy because of his size, but he also moves pretty well for a big guy as well. Uh, you know, Brent, uh, Brent Keithy out of Utah, 6'2", 235 pounds. Also a junior, 17.7 yards per reception in 2019. Um, you know, a guy who undersized a little bit at the tight end position, but moves very well. I think he's going to probably run in the 4-6 range potentially. Um, excellent blocker as well. So I think he's an underrated prospect there for the Utes. Matt Bushman, the veteran there for BYU. Um, you know, over 125, you know, 125 receptions in his career, over 1,700 yards and nine touchdowns. Uh, a big play weapon down the field, 6'5", 240 pounds. Uh, Kate Otten, another you know, big time weapon, 6'5", 246 pounds, the junior out of Washington. Everyone was talking about Hunter Bryant, but this was a guy who, you know, 32 catches, 344 yards. He you know, made a name for himself in his own right. He's a good blocker, a better blocker, obviously, than Hunter Bryant, but showcased some decent hands. Uh, you know, here's the thing. You battled some injuries. This is going to be his coming out party as a junior He's not really going to be able to showcase anything until hopefully you know either the winter or the spring, and you worry about what he's going to really be able to showcase out there. Two final names: Nick Eubanks out of Michigan, 6'5", 256 pounds. Uh, not really known as as a pass catcher, more so as a blocker. Uh, he's probably one of the better blockers at the tight end position. And I'm going to give you a guy from a small school. Obviously, they're not playing in 2020, but Zach Davidson out of Central Missouri, 6'7", 245 pounds. Very athletic big man, 40 receptions, 894 yards, and 15 touchdowns. Uh, he's a name to get to know because he's going to be something that's going to be on radars. Um, you, know, you, can, you can guarantee that the teams are going to be looking at him as one of those small school tight ends. Um, I think if we go to the offensive tackles, uh, Panay Sewell out of Oregon, 6'6", 325 pounds, zero sacks given up and 926 pass snaps. You know, that should tell you something right there. But this is a big dude. Guys that big should not move that well. He looks like a tight end uh, with, with his movement skills. 
uh, probably the best offensive tackle that we've offensive tackle prospect we've had come along in a long time. You know, you watch his pass sets; they look perfect. You know, this guy you know fires out of a stance quickly, uh, gets some deep sets with his kick slides, short choppy steps, um, sits down easily, very easy knee bender, very easy mover. Um, you know, the the change of direction is explosive. His ability to wall off guys, you know, with their secondary moves, excellent hands. Uh, this is a guy to me that man. He's a he's just an athlete. You know, he has that power in his hands as well. And that's the thing. You know, for as athletic as he is, he's also very strong, very powerful at the point of attack. Guy who just generates a ton of movement, throws guys around at will. Um, if there isn't a quarterback taken um, with the first overall pick, it's going to be Panay Sewell. Um, that's going to be the one non-quarterback that has a chance to be the. The first overall pick, you know, I think Panay Sewell is uh, is destined for for greatness as long as he doesn't get injured. You know, as a freshman, he battled some injuries, um, cost him most of that season. Um, but when you watched him in 2019, just a special player, and I was looking forward to seeing what he could really do there in 2020. Um, Samuel Cosme out of Texas, 6'7", 300 pounds. This is the other guy uh, who I think is going to be a first round pick. Um, as far as the offensive lineman is concerned 27 games played 26 starts very athletic you know this is a guy who i I think moves very well an easy mover as well at the offensive tackle position you know a knee bender um does a really good job you know pushing guys up the field um and away from the quarterback um handles a lot of the, the, the secondary moves very well uh, one of the things, though, if you turn on that Baylor game, uh, James Lynch was out muscling him left and right, and I think that's the one thing that he's going to have to show is, is yes, he has the footwork, but can he be physical? Can he, you know, handle the point of attack? I think the bull rushers, he can handle the speed. It's the bull rushers that are going to get him into trouble. After that, there are a lot of guys here that really are looking to try to prove themselves. I'm looking, you know, my number three guy, you know, Mikai Becton, and what he was able to do, that dancing bear there out of out of uh, Louisville. I found a guy there out of Northern Iowa, Spencer Brown, 6'9", 321 pounds, very athletic for a big guy, and he just comes out there and buries guys. You know, the, the wingspan, uh, the athleticism for, for a guy his size. He's my number three offensive tackle right now. Uh, after that, you've got a lot of other guys. There's Tevin Jenkins out of, out of Oklahoma State, 6'6", 321 pounds, 28 starts, uh, 26 of them at right tackle. Um, you know, he's just starting to scratch the surface of the type of player that he can be. Uh, you know, two guys that we're not going to get to see in 20, uh, 2020, uh, Jalen Mayfield, he's opted out actually, 6'5", 320 pounds out of Michigan, 13 starts there at right tackle. Um, I, I thought the, you know, it, 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 the... He, he had. I'm trying to figure out exactly how to put this because I thought that there were times where the competition was a little bit too big for him because he was getting beaten uh, quite a bit over there on the right hand side. Um, but at the same time, you know, you, you have to admire the athleticism and some of the physicality with which he played. And I thought as the season went along, uh, you know, the uh, teams trying to take advantage of him there on the right side, you didn't see that quite as much. Um, this is a guy who was learning on the fly, just continuing to get better. I think he just scratched the surface you know, in terms of what he can do. I just wish he would have come, you know, come back for one more season, allow him to play there in in uh, in the winter, um, because I just I don't know that he's necessarily he's making that 
that step just yet. I don't think he's into that elite status just yet. He'll probably be a day two pick, but he hasn't separated himself from a lot of these guys. You know, Walker Little out of Stanford, 6'7", 320 pounds, uh, a guy who moves very well um, and was burying some guys there at Stanford. Uh, excellent knee bender as well, ex- you know, long arms, excellent reach. Um, but then he has the knee injury in 2019. 2020 was supposed to be his rebound season and the guy that was, you know, had a lot to prove and was going to come back. Well, you know, we may not even get to see him even in 2021. We don't know what what his health is, what he's going to look like. And so that's, you know, a little bit alarming. There's there's a red flag there for him right now. Same with Alaric Jackson out of Iowa, 6'6", 315. You know, he was really looked at as going to be that the, the twin towers there with Tristan Wirfs there for Iowa. And, you know, he went down to injury. Tristan Wirfs kicked over to the left side. When he came back, you know, I, I thought he was really up and down, uh, struggled with some of the speed. And uh, so he's somebody who really has to step up his game and prove that you know, he can play at an elite level uh, for an entire season. Um, you know, Dylan Roddens um, out of North, uh, North Dakota State, 6'6", 298 pounds. Look, this guy, three-year starter, first-team All-American, uh, very agile, climbs to the second level very well. Um, you know, excellent run blocker, but I think you know his pass sets keep getting better and better. He's the guy that's going to be on the rise. Uh, Landon Young, 6'7", 321 pounds out of Kentucky, 64 knockdown blocks in 2019. Uh, you know, really a rebound year after redshirting in 2018 with a knee injury, but a very physical player. Um, you know, he's somebody who can potentially kick inside to guard, as would uh, Tommy Doyle uh, out of Miami of Ohio, 6'6", or, I'm sorry, 6'8", 326 pounds. We won't get to see him, uh, the Red Hawks there, uh, Mid-American Con- uh, Conference, they aren't playing games in 2020, so we won't get to see him play. But like, this is a kid who played hockey in high school, so you're looking about you're looking for guys with toughness. Tommy Doyle's that. Uh, Illinois State, another guy we won't get to see. Uh, but Drew Himmelman, 6'7", 310 pounds, the three-year starter, former basketball player, very athletic, easy mover laterally. I think that's one of the things that jumps off the uh, off the tape when you watch him play. Uh, Liam Eichenberg out of Notre Dame, 6'6", 305. Um, you know, I, I think this is a guy. Who is a good tactic? You know, uh, I'm sorry, a good technician. Um, takes really good angles. Um, you know, quick power step to beat defensive ends to the inside. Squares them up. Um, you know, very balanced at times as well. Bends his knees, absorbs contact. Um, you know, like I said, the power steps you see. Um, but he's not overly physical in the running game. Get overpowered at times. Um, gets a little bit too high with his pad, pad level. Um, doesn't get in a lot of depth on his on his kick slide as well, so you know that's going to be a concern. And then he had two false start penalties um, early on in, in a game against Boston College, and just you know seems to to want to you know get in his head a little bit too much. And, and so he's somebody who I think you know I'm looking to have a big year there in the ACC and really elevate his draft stock. Um, two other names to to keep an eye out for: Greg Island out of Mississippi State, six eight, three hundred thirty five pounds. Um, you know, look, you know, 17 starts at left tackle, eight at right tackle. Um, you know, but he's the guy who could potentially, you know, showcase some of that athleticism, but he may even kick inside to guard. Um, and then Josh Bell out of Marshall, 6'8", 309. In 2018, he, he played at Butler City, uh, City College, 
had only one start in 2019, but you know there's that offensive tackle rotation with Will Ulmer and, and Tarek Adams there for the Thundering Herd. This year, he's going to be the guy that's going to be leading the way for for Brendan Knox. Um, if he has a big year there for the Thundering Herd, you know Josh Bell is going to be a, a name that's going to start. I'm um, sorry, Josh Ball is going to be a name that's going to be riding, uh, rising up draft boards. When you look at the offensive guard position, you look at a guy like Alex Leatherwood, 6'6", 310 pounds out of Bama. You're looking at the offensive tackle position, you're saying, well, wait, Alex Leatherwood is definitely a tackle, right? Well, for me, when I watch Alex Leatherwood and I watch him play, he's somebody for me that I think at times in the passing game struggled with some speed. You know, you'd see him lunging at the defensive end you know, as, as they're bending around the edge. But a guy who I thought was very physical in the running game, a guy who did a really good job climbing to the second level in the running game as well, um, you know, I think in those short areas, short bursts, you know, Alex Leatherwood was really good in the passing game. I think he kick him inside to guard. He can end up being that first guard taken in the draft. Uh, Wyatt Davis out of Ohio State, 6'4", 315 pounds. You know, another guy who very physical, started every game in his career at Ohio State. You know, a guy who just gets under uh, defensive tackle pad levels, you know, and, and is able to drive them back off the football, gets his hips around to seal off, very underrated athletically. Uh, you know, Trey Smith out of Tennessee, you know, 6'6", 320 pounds. You know, the all freshman All-American, then he has the blood clots. I think that's well-documented. Comes back, kicks inside to guard. And, uh, you know, I, I think he has that athleticism, you know, has that power in his hands, very physical, getting under, you know, the pad level to drive his man back. Um, but I think some of the, um, you know, he lunges a little bit too much, gets too far over his toes at times. And, uh, you know, that's really the, you know, the, the thing that you saw from him. He'll manhandle a guy once he gets a hold of him and wash him, you know, clear, clear down the line. But the thing that happens with Trey Smith too often is that he gets, you know, too far over, over his feet. And that's the thing, you know, I, I want to see what he can do here in 2020. Can he be more consistent with that pad level and with that, uh, you know, with that base, be more balanced? If he can do that, he could also be the number one guard taken in the draft. Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC, 6'4", 3'10". Played in 27 games, 13 starts, left guard. Can also play tackle in a pinch. Third-team All-American. He was USC's Offensive Lineman of the Year, and that included Austin Jackson, a first-rounder out of Miami, uh, you know, for the Dolphins. I think Deontay Brown out of Alabama, 6'5", 338 pounds. He's a mauler in the running game, uh, but that suspension, you know, in 2018, the last two games of 2018 and the first four games of 2019, the NCAA violation, red flag there. Uh, Jack Anderson out of Texas Tech, 6'5", 315 pounds, 26 starts, and then that shoulder injury after three starts in 2019. He's somebody that's looking to rebound here in 2020 and then really quickly through the centers you know Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern 6'3 314 pounds 37 starts 26 straight uh, you know this is another technician you know the feet the hands you know, he challenged Chase Young there at the left tackle position for Northwestern but look he's 6'3 so where's he gonna play is he gonna play left tackle you know like Isaiah Wynn you know are you looking at a, at a guard could he move inside to center if he moves inside to center he can end up being a first round pick in my opinion uh, you look at Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma, 6'5", 307. This junior, you know, this is a guy who's very physical. He's not the most gifted athletically, but co-Big 10, uh, I'm sorry, Big 12, Offensive Lineman of the Year with Colton McKivitz, you know, a guy who, you know, he's, you know, finishes blocks. You know, this is a guy, look, when you look at Oklahoma and what he's able to do, you know, we started with, with Kyler Murray, you know, then Jalen Hurts, and you look at the Offensive Lineman, you know, this is a guy who had to return, you know, they were re- weren't returning a lot of starters. This is a guy who, you know, was a guy, 
who really solidified that that offensive line. Learned from a lot of the veterans, you know, the guys like Bobby Evans, uh, you know, guys that moved on to the to the NFL, Ben Powers and, and Drew Samia. And this is a guy who was that rock for that offense. Again, not the most gifted athletically, but that former wrestler. He's somebody I look at Tyler Beatis, you know, and what he's able to do. Um, you know, he's a guy. His draft stock took a hit because he wasn't the most athletic. But I mark my words, these are two guys that are going to end up being mainstays on offensive lines in the NFL for a long time. Uh, I think Landon Dickerson out of Alabama, six six three zero eight. You know, injuries cut short as you know each of his seasons there at, at Florida State. Grad transfer to Bama. You play with some attitude there for the the Crimson Tide. Thirteen starts there. Uh, he's somebody to keep an eye out. For uh, Trey Hill out of Georgia, 6'4", 331 pounds, started every game at center for them. Also has some experience at guard, underrated player there. Um, you know, Josh Myers out of Ohio State, 6'5", 312 pounds, 900 snaps in 2019. Somebody to keep an eye on, as is Jimmy Morrissey out of, out of Pittsburgh, 6'3", 305, first team All-ACC, 36 starts to his, uh, to his credit, 3.4 GPA. Uh, team captain, but most importantly, zero sacks given up in 2019. He was keeping Kenny Pickett upright, and that's what you want to see out of your centers. And then finally, uh, Michael Bennett out of uh, out of Penn State, 6'4", 313, pretty agile uh, for, for a center and, and a guy who's really going to lead that that Penn State offensive line if they get to play in 2021. So those are my 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 top 10 guys, guys to really keep an eye out for uh, on the offensive side of the football. For the 2021 draft, you know we're we're moving into the the season, you know this uh, abbreviated season, if you will. You know, what is it really going to look like? Um, Thursday, you know September 3rd is where things kick off. You get to see UAB play against Central Arkansas. Uh, you know Southern Miss and Southern Al- South Alabama get to play. Those are the only two games until Saturday, September 5th. Marshall gets to play against Eastern Kentucky. You know, Army against you know Middle Tennessee and SMU. Takes on uh, you know Texas State, uh, North Texas gets a gets a game in Memphis gets to take on Arkansas State and UTEP taking on Stephen F Austin, Monday September seventh BYU Navy probably the biggest game uh, of the of the college football season to this point so it, it's going to be really an interesting interesting season you know to, to say the least you know, you're not going to get to really see uh, any ACC schools until week two Syracuse and North Carolina um, you know Iowa State gets to play so that's really where the season starts to kick off uh, you know Notre Dame takes on Duke we get to see Trevor Lawrence play but you know we have to wait a week to be able to see that that's you know Saturday September 12th so this first season you know this first week you're really going to going to get to see a lot of the um, you know group of 5 and that's really for their time to shine you know if there's going to be a game that I'm really circling and wanting to watch it's going to be that Marshall game they're playing Eastern Kentucky but I really want to see again Josh Ball see what Brendan Knox can do you know I think those are some guys that I'm really you know interested in seeing so that's really what we have here I'm going to go ahead and wrap things up this is has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Stay tuned. Next week, we'll talk about the defense. We'll take a look at my top prospects there on every position on the defensive side of the football. And we'll start breaking down 
you know, that, that second week of the college football season when we really get to start seeing those power five schools and some of those group of five schools you know, really start to play uh, you know, in some of those conference games. So I'm really looking forward to, to kicking everything off. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast so far. We're going to go ahead and, and do a lot more of this. I've got some surprises up my sleeve throughout the season as well. So stay tuned and uh, you know, we'll get you ready for that NFL draft whenever it takes place in 2021. So be safe out there. Wash your hands practice social distancing and uh, stay tuned and uh, come back next week. We'll do it all over again. So take care, everyone. Again, this is Greg Schutz for readyforthedraft.com. This has been the Ready for the Draft podcast, and I am out of here. Take care. <laughs>